Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're back with what has been a failure of a podcast. This is the bad podcast. Doug Maurice, Bill Landis, Ari Wasserman talking Ohio State football. And and nobody listens. Bill, you bought a microphone at Sharper Image. Where'd you get the microphone? I bought it at Best Buy. Now I bought it I bought it used, but it's pretty it's quality. It's the Yeti. It's yeah, the quality. I was just gonna say how listen long to, we, quality listen, sound device. Listen to this. How smooth is this? How smooth is that right there? It's good. Do you feel that? Yeah. Wow. Show listen. So we were just looking at MLive.com is one of our sister sites in our uh, company. They cover Michigan. They cover Michigan State there as well. Michigan State's in the playoff, by the way. The Michigan podcast, Bill, what kind of numbers are they doing on the Michigan podcast? Everybody in the Midwest apparently is listening to the Michigan podcast, and the three people in Ari's apartment are the only people listening to the Ohio State podcast. 15,000 they do. 15,000, right? That was the last one, 15,000. What do we do? Four hundred and four hundred, four hundred, and we've got an extra person. Yeah, and the Yeti, and the Yeti. I bet it's, you they don't have a Yeti. This is—it's a complete <laughs> failure. It's a complete failure across the board. It's our failure, and I don't know who else is to blame for this failure, but it's an abject failure, no doubt about it. It stinks. It's been terrible, and we're not blaming you, the listener, because you're actually listening. You're one of the four hundred. But I don't know what we can do. Why are we even doing one? Because we like to talk. And we like to hang out on Ari's plush leather furniture. I think that... I disagree. I don't think it's been a failure. I think it's probably the best podcast I've ever heard in my life. It's a numbers-oriented business. And we have bombed. There's no moral victories in podcasting, that's Maybe for sure. our colossal failure was using SoundCloud, which tells us exactly how many people click on it. We could have just used something else that doesn't tell us and we could go on with our lives. And we could, we'd be like, so, like, what do you think our podcast did last week? Like, Do you think it got to 20,000? Do you think there's a way to check that? We'd be like, yeah, maybe 25. It was yeah. Michigan week. Instead, we know for a fact, without, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that we have bombed. If you could cancel podcasts, if there was <laughs> someone out there in charge of podcasts, we would not be renewed for a second season. We would be canceled we would be off the air. We have no sponsorships. We're, someone's going to get fired probably at the end of this year. Maybe. Not all the three of us are going to be back for next year. And just to kind of rub it in even more, our most listened to podcast by far was the one where we offered the premise that Michigan might be the best team in the Big Ten. And it got on a <laughs> Michigan message board. <laughs> so Michigan, We got a little of the residual Nick Baumgartner uh, vibe from MLive.com. Yeah. And a shout-out to uh, MGo Blog for yeah. promoting that. Thanks. So what could we do? Let's do a podcast about uh, how cool Michigan's helmets are yeah. or something, and maybe... Jordan jersey's coming next year, right, Ari? I'm pretty pumped about that. Yeah. All right, so with that, 
entryway into another failure of a podcast. We're here to talk about a specific thing that we hope is an interesting thing in a headline that, of course, no one will care, no one will listen to. But we want to talk the Ohio State quarterback position. We're going to get into uh, another podcast that we'll put up later um, before we get to Arizona for the Fiesta Bowl. The team will arrive on December 27th. We'll all be there for that as well. Um, And so we'll have another podcast to get you to Arizona. But before we talk about the team, we want to talk about the most important position on the field because there's been some stuff happening. And um, it was so talked about this year with Cardale Jones, JT Barrett, and at least for a while we thought Braxton Miller was going to be in that quarterback mix, and then he wasn't. But it was the most interesting position in college football was the Ohio State quarterback position. It kind of turned out to be a bomb because Braxton got out of it Cardell started. It was it was kind of met, more messy than interesting. It was like you, it didn't. It sort of wasn't won by great play. It was like the first thing kind of didn't work, so they went to the next guy. And neither Cardell Jones nor JT Barrett looked as good this year as they looked that last year. Um, but we are now going into the future. Here's future thing to answer number one: Cardell Jones is going to the NFL. Of course, he is going to the NFL. He was going to the NFL after this season the minute he announced that he wasn't going to the NFL last season. He didn't have a press conference at Glenville to say, I'm going to remain at Ohio State for two more years so I can go to the NFL when I'm 25. He's older than Johnny Manziel. He's five years removed from high school. He didn't start the last half of this year. Of course he's going to play for money. He's not coming back. Of course he's gone. Which leaves... The following quarterbacks at Ohio State for 2016. JT Barrett as a junior, a redshirt junior. Stephen Collier as a redshirt sophomore. Joe Burrow and Torrance Gibson as redshirt freshmen. And question mark. So, that question mark is very important for 2017, 2018, 2019 as we look into the future But as we set it up, we'll start with next year. Ari, do you think that question mark will be another quarterback? Tell the people who don't know what happened with the quarterback recruiting so far for 2016 and what you think will happen, he said, grabbing the Yeti. I grabbed the Yeti so that it would be uh, closer to me. Uh, Isn't that smooth? Do you like that? Is it smooth? (laughs) Um so for all of you guys who don't know, and I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're a loyal enough One reader. of the 400. Woo! You already read you our stuff. <laughs> yeah, top 400%. Um, Tristan Wallace, the four-star quarterback from Texas, from DeSoto, Texas, that was committed to Ohio State, has since decommitted and has joined Oregon's recruiting class as a wide receiver. So not only is he not a quarterback at Ohio State anymore. He's not a quarterback. So Ohio State is in a situation right now where they are finding themselves with their backs against the wall trying to find one final quarterback and the number one guy that they have contacted again is four-star quarterback Dwayne Haskins from Potomac. 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 Potomac, Maryland. We went and visited him and I wrote a story and Bill wrote a story from Potomac last year, and I called it Potomac. We the went, whole time we were in Maryland. <laughs> you might have called it Potomac to Dwayne Haskins' face, right? 
Yes. Uh, so, what's it like to play quarterback at Potomac? But to just refer, when we went to the Maryland game last year in 2014, we went early so we could go watch Dwayne Haskins play, mm-hmm. and James Franklin was there in a helicopter. And think about how yeah. long ago that was. But we we were more on Dwayne Haskins as a recruit than Ohio State was. Yes, yeah. and have maintained that. Um, <laughs> but now Ohio State's back in, and he's a pure. Um, Tristan Wallace was a athlete. Um, that played quarterback at DeSoto because oftentimes in high school the best player on the field just plays quarterback because they touch the ball the most and have the most impact. I'm not necessarily sure Ohio State envisioned that um, Tristan Wallace would come to Ohio State, be ready to play quarterback and redshirt freshman and be the next JT Barrett. I think they viewed him as a project. But that was an okay project because Ohio State has the luxury of having JT at least as their starter for one more year, if not two, probably two. So now that they've lost him... They still have that two-year security from JT Barrett for the next few years, but they have to decide whether or not they're going to get a guy in 2016 as a reach or if they're going to get Haskins or if they're going to pass on quarterbacks altogether in 2016. And it's an integral part of the question of who is going to be the quarterback in, what, three years, in 2017 or 18? 18. Um, and you have to understand, I guess now that i am get the mic, I will filibuster about recruiting, um, that Dwayne Haskins is a quarterback prospect who is committed to Maryland at the moment um, because he felt like he could play early there. So he is a complete guy who, who has a shot. Now he's If Dwayne Haskins goes to Maryland, will he be their starting quarterback next season I think for DJ Durkin? I think that that's a distinct possibility. Right? Yeah. Distinct. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, and that's the design. I think he, and staying home and all that stuff, of course that changed because you have to remember he committed to Edzall. So, before Edzal got fired, and he was in Columbus for an official visit a week and a half ago. So Ohio State is very much alive in the hunt for him, and that would be an interesting per- person to add because while Tristan Wallace was talented and a four-star prospect, that would have created more of a logjam in Ohio State's quarterback room, um, or less of a logjam in Ohio State's quarterback room because it was going to take some time. So we're going to get into Torrance Gibson, Joe Burrow, um, Danny Clark, who is committed for sure in 2017 and has a big Ohio State tattoo on his left shoulder. So he's definitely going to come to Ohio State. Um, so Do you think that's a good move in recruiting? If you can make a recruit get a tattoo of the school he has committed to, I think, yeah. he's less likely to decommit, yeah. right? Yeah. So they should encourage that. They should have gotten Tristan Wallace to get a tattoo. If they'd be fine. Gets a t- well, if Urban would get a tattoo that like he promised his team, maybe the recruits would. But. That's that's a whole other story, but we have to like tap in because Doug and I had a forty-five minute conversation about this entire situation on the phone spontaneously, and it's just the idea of who is the quarterback in two thousand eighteen, and I think that we should also go off on separate tangents about each guy. Okay, um, so let's organize it up a little bit. Let's so everyone at home, one of the four hundred, get out a piece of paper. Well, well, four fifty-two. What's four fifty-two? Yeah. One of the four fifty-two. Uh, if you want a T-shirt, contact email Bill Landis. Yeah. Uh, he's getting the T-shirt order together. I am one of the 452. Yeah, Mom, we'll get you one, okay? <laughs> the, bod, the bad podcast on the back. Get out your piece of paper, and we're going to write this down because I think it's it's interesting to look at this. And I think we go in knowing that in an ideal world, I think you have four scholarship quarterbacks in the room. I think that is a perfect scenario. Sometimes you might have three. Sometimes you might have five. You don't want two. You don't want six. Um, they had six. They had six. They had six before. Sort they of, yeah. but then two of them turned into receivers. Like they never for had this six year. while people were playing football. 
They but, had six on paper in offseason. Right. So, but they, this year they had Cardale Jones, JT Barrett, Stephen Collier, who were all for sure quarterbacks. Joe Burrow as a freshman, for sure quarterback. That's four. And then Braxton Miller and Torrance Gibson, who, again, were receivers this year, not in the quarterback room. But next year, so 2016, again, we said JT Barrett, Stephen Collier, Joe Burrow, Torrance Gibson. At the moment, we're talking about Torrance Gibson like he's going back to quarterback. Because that's what they had said originally when he switched to receiver, that he would go back to quarterback. There's been sort of a lot of stuff that you can read into Torrance Gibson's Twitter and wonder what his future is. It's wondering at this point. Let's call him a quarterback until we know he's not a quarterback anymore. Let me ask you guys this. Those four, that's if they don't get Haskins or someone else, are you okay with that quarterback room for 2016? Barrett, Collier, Burrow, Gibson. That makes me very, very nervous. Why? Because your starting quarterback is a guy with an injury history. He's broken an ankle, which is less of a a concern, but also torn an ACL in high school, who will be in an offense where he's running the ball a lot and is going to take a beating. And if he goes down, who do you bring in? You bring in someone who has never played. And here's why I'm okay with it. Because if you add Haskins to the conversation, then there's still probably trouble. Now, Haskins, like we just mentioned, is maybe a more game-ready type guy, but is he more game-ready than a guy who's been practicing at Ohio State for a year? I don't know. I think that the number one concern in college football is having a quarterback, and Ohio State has their guy, and that's kind of why I – I mean, injuries happen, and Ohio State has overcome them, and teams have fallen apart because of them. I just kind of think that if you have your starter and you have some young guys who came in highly touted and guys they feel good about – because Joe Burrow was only a three-star guy, but – Bill, you wrote a lot about him. I think Ohio State is very comfortable with their future with him. Um, I think that that would be an okay situation. It's better than, and this is, and we wrote about this last week, but it's better than the alternative of forcing a 2016 signing just to get another quarterback in the room when they might not be up to the task. So, in my opinion, it's Haskins or bust. Because, like you said, you're not adding a veteran no matter what. So, the way it stands right now, if JT Barrett gets hurt next year or does something else to get suspended for a game like he did this year, they will be putting into the game as the starting quarterback, whether it happens in the middle of the game or it happens in the middle of the week and it's for someone to start the game, they will be playing someone at quarterback who has never played. Right. Okay. That's what they did with JT Barrett when Braxton Miller got hurt, but JT Barrett was a four-star guy that we've been hearing stories about as a leader since the minute he got here. We will say at the moment, not that not that Joe Burrow is not a good player, not that Torrance Gibson doesn't have great potential, not that Stephen Collier hasn't been around and has seen a lot of things. You don't hear those stories right now. I am not hearing stories from Ohio State that say, oh, wait until this guy who's never played plays. Yeah. I am just miffed, and maybe this is a tangent, but... It's an important tangent because it's about an important person in this conversation. That's Torrance Gibson. I don't understand the idea of removing him or moving him out of the quarterback room to play a different position to move him back. I I just feel like every player could have used the reps that maybe Cardale and JT weren't getting. Mental reps. Because Torrance Gibson was a five-star freak. Like It's not like they should be, oh, no, I mean, Torrance Gibson is better than JT Barrett when he came here. He was basically the highest-rated person in the recruiting class last so year, right? So it's not like it's just some random person. It's it's the guy who, but I don't know how far along he's going to be. It'll be very interesting to see where he is in the spring. But 
how many mental reps and how many real reps did Torrance Gibson miss out on when really he could be one twisted ankle away from being needed at that position. And it's funny because it cleared out quickly between, you know, Braxton and, and Cardale were always going to leave, but JT, and it was one year where it was a log jam, but now it's open again. And it is interesting that they switched Torrance Gibson's position so he could not play. Yeah, He didn't play. He redshirted. They love to talk about how they don't redshirt freshmen. They redshirt freshmen all the time. They redshirt freshmen too much. They redshirt five stars, and then they come back the next year while they're talking about the current freshmen that they say they aren't going to redshirt and say, oh, well, we redshirted that guy and we shouldn't have. And then they go and redshirt another guy they shouldn't have. Torrance Gibson had a couple injury things. Torrance Gibson had some issues where Urban Meyer said he didn't earn the right to dress. You know what? I don't think Torrance Gibson's playing five years of Ohio State football one way or another. I'm not so sure I wanted to put him in in week 11 just to get him on the field. Just to get just the clock to started. Just let him feel what it's like to be on a college football field with 100,000 people in the stands. Because like you said, he he's a five-star kid. It, he should, whether he's a receiver or a quarterback, Torrance Gibson should play in 2016 and should play a somewhat prominent role for a team that's losing a lot of talent. If which, he doesn't, something has gone wrong. Which is what's interesting about Ohio State in general. We thought that it would be a lot like 2014 where they were running up people 40 points a game. Yeah. And I feel like there was less opportunities in games this year to be able to get some of these guys in than maybe that we expected. I'm trying to think and like what which game would you have put him in? Yeah. Rutgers on the road. I don't I don't um, know. He didn't travel. He was at the point of the season where he wasn't even on the on the travel roster, I think. So um, and I saw him at the mall once <laughs> on a Friday night at like 7.30 the night before a home game. And I don't know if beyond the shadow of a doubt what the rules are, but it seemed weird that he They're usually the at the golf course eating as a team yeah. on a yeah. Friday night before a Saturday home game. Maybe so. he wanted some Panda Express. <laughs> Which, said, by the way, would be a solid move. Yeah. But, but and that's what we could do a whole podcast on, the, the freshmen, the, the, the difference between the perception and what they say and the reality Marquette, of sure. playing freshmen here. Because um, people love to talk about playing freshmen. I literally think they played four of 25 freshmen this year. And again, that's a sign that you don't need them because you have a lot of good upperclassmen. But guess what? You're going to need them in 2016, and a whole bunch of them didn't play. It's like they're funny. You're going through like freshman All-American teams and stuff. And, okay, Sam Hubbard, another guy who shouldn't have redshirted when he did redshirt. He's making freshman All-American teams as a redshirt freshman. They don't have any true freshmen who would have... It's like unless Jerome Baker made it for covering kickoffs. I think it's safe to say that if a redshirt freshman is on an All-American team when he's a redshirt freshman, that he shouldn't have redshirted. Well, it's on it's on the freshman All-American I, team. That's what yeah. I mean, though. Still, yeah, still. I mean, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're... Because, like, redshirt freshman, unless you're a quarterback and there's a starter in place, like, JT was a redshirt freshman when he had his amazing season last year, but it's because Braxton was the quarterback. So, you know, you always... I think the quarterback position's a little bit different, but I think while redshirting... And an offensive line and defensive line, I think, is interesting, too, because yeah. the physical... You know, nature of those positions, I think, are different. But the idea that certain guys who have come in and played, I mean, Von Bell basically redshirted his entire freshman year and it might have cost Ohio State a national championship. Now, he didn't, but if you don't play for 11 out of the 12 games, then it's still kind of what happened. Right. So, okay. 
2017. Get out your pen and paper again. Your quarterback room is JT Barrett as a senior. Quick question. Will JT Barrett come back as a fifth-year senior in 2017? Bill? Yes. Ari? Yes. Me? No doubt about it. JT Barrett as a fifth-year senior. Stephen Collier as a junior. Joe Burrow and Torrance Gibson as third-year redshirt sophomores. Danny Clark as a true freshman. And then if you got a 2016 guy, if Dwayne Haskins came, Dwayne Haskins would be a sophomore or a redshirt freshman in his second year. So if if Haskins comes 2017, your room is six guys. If he doesn't come, your room is five guys. If he does come, maybe by then Torrance Gibson's not a quarterback anymore either. Yeah. But how do you feel about that 2017 room? Again, Barrett, Collier, Burrow, Gibson, potentially Haskins, and Clark. Do you like that room? Do you want Haskins in that room, or do you not want Haskins in that room? I think you want Haskins in that room. I think you want. Ha- I mean, Haskins being able to be to be in a room with a fifth-year JT Barrett, who we've already said is, I, I guess, the quintessential leader that you're looking for. Yeah, I actually like that room a lot. I think that's that might be. We talked about this this year being the best quarterback room in the country. I mean, it's projecting ahead for guys who haven't played, but. I fail to see how many teams could have a better quarterback room than the one you just laid out. That was a really good quarterback room. And the thing that we discussed uh, before and we were taking from a phone call to a podcast is the idea that when you have a quarterback situation, especially when four out of the, what is it, five out of the six are like underclassmen in that yeah. list, yeah. all you need to do is be right on one. And if you're right on one, really right on one, and they're an underclassman, that gives you an immeasurable amount of security for two to three more years to find the next one. So it's not like another position where it's like, wow, that linebacker room is stacked. Well, there's three of them, and you need all three. It's like usually, and, and I think they found out the hard way uh, this year, if you got more than one quarterback, you've got too many. So I think that they need to have one. And the idea of, did they hit on Danny Clark? Did they hit on Torrance Gibson? Did they hit on Joe Burrow? And did they hit on Dwayne Haskins? I think one out of four would be a very, like from a pure odd standpoint, Ohio State would have hit on one of those underclassmen quarterbacks who would be ready to be JT in 2018. So I love that room. And the thing I like, you just kind of touched on it, is while there are six bodies, assuming nothing changes in that room, they're still the guy. So there's no confusion. Everyone knows their role. JT is the start. Everyone else learned from him. There's not this muddled picture of we have six guys and we have no idea who the starter is going to be. JT Barrett is going to be the undisputed starter for this team in 2016 and 2017. It's it's fascinating to think about that this is a guy who has two years of eligibility left and what he has already been and already done. That he had a year where he got thrown in, set the Big Ten record for touchdowns through 45 touchdowns, I think, right? Accounted for 45 touchdowns? Running and passing? Got hurt, missed the postseason, comes back, is in a quarterback battle, and is now the starting quarterback who just beat Michigan and is leading them into the Fiesta Bowl. You can feel like that JT Barrett's been here forever. He has two years of eligibility left. So to think about 2017, here comes fifth-year JT Barrett and everything he would have been through by then, that is a good guy to have at the front of that room. Okay, this is where it gets interesting. Pen and paper ready. 2018, JT Barrett is gone. Your quarterback room is senior Stephen Collier. Redshirt juniors, Joe Burrow and Torrance Gibson. 
Third year, Dwayne Haskins, if he comes. Second year, Danny Clark. Ari, I'll ask you first. It's a long way off. We know things can change. I'm going to be retired by then. What we know, you're going to be living in uh, L.A. on the beach after... uh, yeah, after shoes wrapping recruiting just takes off. <laughs> You're the CEO of that whole scene. Um, that's a long way off, but the thing we know for sure is that JT Barrett won't be here. Someone that we're not accounting for could be here, but you know, are they going to have a huge stud quarterback that's going to transfer in? I mean, is you know is something crazy going to happen? Are they going to get a five star? Freshman who's going to come in in 2018 and start his first season, you know, probably not. Who do you think is the starting quarterback in 2018, Ari? Stephen Collier, the senior, the redshirt junior, Joe Burrow or Torrance Gibson, third year, Dwayne Haskins, or second year, Danny Clark? It's literally impossible to answer that question. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to answer it. Crap. I think it can only be there's two guys it could be. I think there's five guys. <laughs> what you think? I know the two guys. Let's narrow it down. The two guys you think it could be are probably Joe Burrow or Dwayne Haskins. Right. So, and that's kind of where I'm thinking. Um, I would like to say Dwayne Haskins then, because you want to start with the guy who, and I don't mean to offend you, because he's <laughs> high on Dwayne or on uh, Joe Burrow's ability. Um, but like, I think you go with a young JT Barrett-ish type guy. If the blueprint to JT Barrett for the next two years is good, I think that but is, Haskins is... Is Haskins JT Barrett? Does Haskins run like JT Barrett? He does. He does? He's a pocket passer, but like I think that... like I think they both play like JT Barrett. I, I, I think Burrow does too? I wrote about both of yeah. them with my untrained scout's eye that they both kind of play like when JT we went, Barrett. When we went to the game two years ago and we saw him as a junior, his story was... Dwayne Haskins, I remember the headline. Yeah. We were in the basement of your sister's house in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Arizona beat Oregon that night. And he wrote, the headline was, Dwayne Haskins more like J.T. Barrett than Braxton Miller. And I think that might have been because Braxton was a, like a physical freak, and he was just trying to get the point across that Haskins isn't a physical freak. Yeah. But I think that like all these guys have some sort of running ability. I don't think J.T. I mean, I guess J.T. Barrett's running ability is above average. Okay, let me um, stop here for a second. Just to throw this question out as you two guys evaluate this. From what we learned and what we saw this year with Cardale Jones and JT Barrett, do you believe that the quarterback in Urban Meyer's offense must be a run threat? Yeah, no question. Yeah, without question. Yeah, I don't I think I mean he doesn't have to be Michael Vick, but clearly he needs to be able to run the ball, be a threat to run like, the does ball. Does JT Barrett make a ton of people miss? No, that's not what it's about. Do you, you, have, have, to you have to be, be a guy to like, smart enough to do the who, in the read. zone read, yeah. is enough of a threat that you are a threat to keep, so that you're not just giving it all the time on. That. Are you a that, true zone read threat? I yeah, think that both so. of those guys could do that. Both those, I mean, seen. they both. I mean, everybody does that. It's like the the offense to Jordan in high school football, but it's. Uh, I mean, what what, mean? What, oh, the, the offense day. of the day. Yeah, mm, sounds good. I'll oh, have that. Oh. <laughs> Joe, like when I, I, I think I watched three Joe Burrow games. Maybe it was two, but a lot of the things that that offense was doing at, at uh, the Plains Athens was very similar to what Ohio State does. Now, obviously, college is much more sophisticated, but the general ideas of quick throws to the fast guys outside, run game with the quarterback, 
is what Joe Burrow did at Athens. We only saw one game with Dwayne Haskins, but he was doing some of the same things. I think either of those guys, again, projecting them three years into the future without them having ever seen them play a college game, I think both of them could run a zone-read spread college offense with relative ease because they've already done it, and they've done it for the and last And here's the thing years. that we, and I don't mean, I know you were, Doug, like, leaned forward because he had something to say. No, just I have questions, but go ahead. But like, the idea of Dwayne Haskins being the starting quarterback at Ohio State in 2018 when he hasn't even, he's committed somewhere else right now. <laughs> right. It's funny, but what I do know about Dwayne Haskins is that he wants to play early, and I think that every recruit has that as a negotiable thing. But what I do know is is that I don't think that he would go there if he is not in the position to start post-JT Barrett. So if he is on the roster and is in, in fact, that room, I think that that Urban and the staff would envision him as the next guy. I think you could, and you could at least at the moment sell him on that. Yeah. You can sell him that you have every opportunity. You can be the post-JT Barrett guy because nobody else here has ever played. You haven't played, but neither have they. Yeah. So one and, day there will be a competition. And... Um, Torrance might not be a quarterback. You know, again, Joe Burrow, just whatever he is, isn't a five-star guy. He might end up being the best player in college football. Troy Smith wasn't a five-star guy either. Um, but I think you could sell him on that. I think you could sell him on that, which is doesn't matter what's true. It what? matters, can you make it believable to tell the kid that And now. if he is actually in that room, and we were picking about quarterbacks in that room, that means that that's what the selling point was. Right. The thing, okay, another question, and we're going to not go 90 minutes on this because there's only 400 people listening, so what's the point? (laughs) Bill, here's your three choices. Okay. Torrance Gibson, future Ohio State quarterback, future Ohio State receiver, future player on another team. Ooh. Future player on another team. Ari? Future player on another team. What if... I don't know what the comparison would be. I don't know what the comparison would be. I'm trying to think like very quickly right now. What if he could be the quarterback? What if he could be the quarterback? We saw that this offense did not work to its maximum potential this year. Until they got the quarterback in there. because And it's not, and I wrote it at the time, I didn't really think it was Cardale Jones' fault. I felt like they were unable to adjust the offense to fit Cardale Jones' strengths. He's a scrambler who can run over people. He's not a zone read guy. But you need a quarterback who can run. What if Torrance Gibson is Braxton Miller? What if Torrance Gibson is Braxton Miller? No, nope, but Torrance Gibson is. He's Terrell Pryor, but not quite as big of a freak. He's and tall. people said, "What? Uh, how many Ohio State fans have you heard say, man, what if Urban had been here when Terrell Pryor was here? Yeah, but I've also heard Ohio State fans say that like Terrell Pryor is not a good quarterback. So I, I think that I think that Torrance Gibson is not... Here's like my hierarchy of athlete. LeBron James okay. is a freak. And I think Terrell Pryor is a few steps below him. And then I think that... Torrance Gibson is a few steps below Terrell Pryor. But I still kind of feel like those three guys are all the same type of freak. Big, shifty, athletic, and, you know, muscular in the sense that they're large bodies. 
But the one thing I will say is that Torrance Gibson is much more of an advanced thrower than Terrell Pryor ever was. Why can't this work? Why are we sitting here saying that our prediction is he's going to wind up somewhere else when we're sitting here saying, after JT Barrett, this is a wide-open quarterback room. What is it about... Is it the situation? Is it what read we got after of how his freshman year went? It's, is it that we look at him and just think, you know what, he just projects better like for the NFL as a receiver. Maybe he'll make that move now. What is it? Why, why don't we think, yeah, at a place where we have seen guys who were athletes, and it's not a slight at all to them as quarterbacks, who were athletes first, quarterbacks second. Terrell Pryor, Braxton Miller, in different ways, for sure. We've seen that work. We've seen that win. We've seen that dazzle people. Why aren't we saying, absolutely, he's the next in the line? I think, for me, it's the read that I got off of. And I've never talked to Torrance Gibson. I could be completely wrong in the way I'm reading it. He seems to me like a guy who needs to be engaged, needs to be involved. He was not this year. He's not going to be that as a quarterback next year. I have no reason to believe he's going to play as a receiver next year because he didn't play this year, and they could, they could, we all know they could have used the receiver help, and they did not use that six foot six freak they have. They could have put on the outside against teams when they, were, when they were struggling to throw the football. So I think that he's going to be in a situation where he's not going to play for one year, see the field very little in year two, and in year three, wonder why am I here when I can go somewhere else and play, whether it's quarterback or receiver. On my business card, it says Cleveland.com, Torrance Gibson, beat writer. Yeah. yeah. So, Ari's going to put up a story like five minutes from now. Will Torrance Gibson transfer? And just see like if he can get 10,000 people in five minutes. I'm probably not going to do that. But I uh, do think that it's everything that we've seen so far from Torrance Gibson from a performance slash positive experience standpoint in his first year. What do we know about Torrance Gibson? We know that he came in as a quarterback, but nobody really believed Ohio State actually had plans of keeping him there. They didn't, you know, I mean, when a quarterback comes in, Joe Burrow's a quarterback. No one has any, it's not like they think, well, can he play running back? So the idea of getting a freak like that from an athlete standpoint was probably big on Ohio State's list. In the second floor, he's moved. He's injured. Then he's not making the team because he didn't do enough, or he's not dressing with the team because he didn't do enough to dress with the team. He's not traveling, and everything that, and then the cryptic Twitter messages that it's not one, it's like fifty, of like things that we've seen him tweet that don't make sense. But if you think what they sound like, it's not good. There's not a very good aura of positivity around his experience in Columbus in the first ten months. So it's hard. I'm not saying that he can't it can't work, and I think that personally, I, I think that Ohio State would have been best at. The highest level of Braxton Miller was their quarterback in a full health strength because he's a freak and can throw. So I like the freak throw combination, and I think that he's the best freak throw combination they're going to have on their roster at that time. It's just based on what we've seen and what we know about his first year at Ohio State. It hasn't all added up to this is the future of Ohio State's football program. Let me uh, let me say this. I have seen many highly rated, talented recruits who were terrible at redshirting, for lack of a yeah. better way of phrasing it. They had, it was the first time in their life they didn't play. It was the first time in their life they weren't a star. It was the first time in their life they felt forgotten. It was the first time in their life as an athlete that they felt useless and extraneous. And many, many, 
very good players have struggled with that. Occasionally, the very tough-minded are fine with it, and you hope that guys just buckle down and learn and do great on the scout team. That's not what always happens. You can turn it around, and we've heard enough. Urban Meyer loves to tell the stories, especially early in his career here. He loved to tell the stories about all the guys who were terrible, and then they bought in. I have not given up on the idea of Torrance Gibson buying in. And I have not given up on the idea. Here's one thing that happened, and, and, and I'll say this, and I've, you know, I'm going to write more about it. I don't like the quarterback coaching that's happening right now at Ohio State. I think that more than play calling, the quarterback coaching was an issue. And I know he moved to receiver, but you had a first-year quarterback's coach who was trying to deal with the most complicated quarterback competition going on in college football. And it's like, I think if Torrance Gibson would have stayed in the quarterback room, I think they wouldn't have even remembered he was there. Yeah, it's like you know what? Get him in a room with Mike Thomas, who is like preparing for games like he's already in the NFL, and I mean that in a positive sense. I think that guy is serious about playing football, right? Yeah. Let's get him in a room with Jalen Marshall. Let's get him in a room where there's a big group of guys who aren't playing. He can talk to Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell and, and KJ Hill and other young, talented guys who are also sitting, rather than being like, "Oh yeah, Torrance is here too," off in the corner. Okay. I have not given up on him going back to quarterback. I have not given up on him buying in and realizing, you know what, I was kind of I lost it there a little bit. And I have not given up on Urban Meyer thinking, man, this could be it. You know, and I'm not taking anything away from Joe Burrow or Danny Clark or anybody else who might here be here down the line. But I agree with Ari. I think the freak throw combo that he's not a guy who's just a basketball player back there running around. He can throw the ball too. I think it's too intriguing to give up on and I'm saying that as an outsider I think maybe Urban Meyer is thinking the same thing I think that that's fair yeah I think it is too and I don't like I don't want to and don't want to make him seem like a bad kid like, no yeah no no he's just young but I, I was it's a wild card like if I if, if someone said bet your house who's the 2018 starting quarterback I'm not going to bet Torrance Gibson but I'm not going to remove him from the possibility and if he is there like yeah in the perfect scenario for Urban Meyer, the Torrance Gibson has bought in and he's in the quarterback room in 2018. Yeah, if he's in the room, and yeah, I think he. I mean, why would if he's going to get a shot because he's six foot six, runs like a deer, and can throw a football a mile? If there's yeah, if there's a hundred, if there's an open quarterback competition and Torrance Gibson is a part of it, then I would pick him. I think. Yeah, I think you guys aren't picking him not to be the quarterback in 2018 because you think he's going to be in the room and be third. Yeah. You think he's not going to be in the yes. room. Yes. He's either yes. going to be in the receiver room or in the room at Florida. Yes. Yeah. That's going to be interesting to follow because we know how much we as reporters and we know fans, you get caught up and it's 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 reasonable. It's expected. It's great. With the, with the unknown talent of these guys coming in. And then they vanish. And it's like, are they going to come back or not? Mike Mitchell, probably the last freak that came through that was like, this was Mike Mitchell at linebacker, who won the high school combine competitions with the freakiest combination of numbers of running and jumping and lifting and throwing and all that stuff. Got here as a freshman. They messed that up. They redshirted him when they probably shouldn't have. He basically said, I'm not here to not play, and he left. It if, is. If, if, Tor- if that happened with Torrance Gibson, again, I think that's, you know, it's partly the kid. Everybody's responsible for their own place in life. Mm-hmm. I think there'll be another failure by the coaching staff if it's another five-star who, boom, doesn't play, and boom, leaves. And that's the funny thing. Every year, there's 22 to 26 guys that come, and then it's like they're all jumping off a diving board. 
and they're doing a cannonball. And when they do the cannonball, they go underwater. And it's in a year-long process to see which ones will rise back to the surface and get air and which ones are going to drown. Was that morbid? No, I like that. Yeah. No, and it's like... Because like, it happens to every one of them, though. When's the last real freshman, true freshman, at least in the Urban Meyer era, like, be like a major part of the team? Joey Bosa. But that was it. That's the number one overall pick in the yeah. draft. You mean the best, the most talented player in college football who's going to be a... Yeah, but no, like, think absolutely. about how many... Like, Joey Bosa was like the... Is the best case scenario with any type of recruit at any college ever. He Did, plays a premium position. He's a freak. He's a five-star kid, and he plays immediately, and he's great immediately. And his whole family is defensive end, so we knew how to play the position before he got here. So it was just like, that is like almost unrealistic to ever even... One out of every three years, that's good. You know Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Do you think Ezekiel Elliott was thrilled when he came here as a highly recruited freshman no, I know he and was. did not play at all behind Carlos Hyde? Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, you know, he wasn't thrilled. Yeah, but he dressed every week. Right. And then and then he didn't even play that much. I mean, he had the wrist injury. He didn't even play that much at the beginning of his sophomore year. Yeah. You know? He had like eight carries in, against Virginia Tech that yeah. in it's, 2014. It's because it's like, how but, do you tell? How... The question, and this is kind of veering off a little bit from the quarterback thing, but the question is, is as reporters and as fans, how can you tell which ones are making the trip back up to the surface and which ones are going to be forgotten? Because right. it's hard to tell. You can't really tell because that first year, you know, there are certain guys like Sam Hubbard who you hear about regularly right. and you know they're coming. But then sometimes a player will come up and it'll just be like, oh, yeah. And, like, there's Jerome Baker. There's Justin Hilliard. I mean, the list Jay goes Sean on. Cornell. Jay Sean I know Cornell. he's in a loaded position, but I was very surprised. I, I didn't hear his name. And it's that was a huge get. He's a defensive lineman who literally, we have not heard a coach speak his name. Yeah. And is he going to be Michael Hill, or is he going to be... Joey Bosa, or Adolphus Washington. Because Michael Hill was the first Southern defensive tackle that Urban brought here. And everybody was like, this is the SEC speed slash size that you want, and then all of a sudden... Here we are, and he might play a little bit more because Adolphus Washington suspended in the Fiesta Bowl. Okay, so... Um, we didn't get the Danny Clark yet. You know, Danny Clark is off in the future. Um, let's give... You know, we said let's keep it nice and tight because we're doing yeah. a couple podcasts tonight. Yeah. A nice, tight 25 minutes for the 400 people listening, and we're at minute 42. An hour 42? <laughs> yeah. I can't tell the Danny Clark. The 92nd Danny... Ari knows Danny Clark... As a high school recruit, as well as anybody knows, Danny Clark as a high school recruit, or you've written about him multiple times. Um, you've seen him play. You understand him um, as an athlete, I think, and as a kid. Um, do you think he is someone that can that would come in and, boom, be a contender as a freshman, true freshman, or a redshirt freshman or sophomore to play? Or do you think he's more of a guy who is a contender to play as a junior or a senior. And again, knowing that, I think the vast majority of guys would be more like as a junior or a senior. I think that Danny Clark is the program-first personality. So if Danny Clark has to come to Ohio State and redshirt and wait till his junior year to start and get two solid years, I think that he would be willing to do that. I think that at least he should be rational about it. The thing I don't know and the thing that we've talked about and now we're going to talk about publicly, is whether or not he is keeping up with his quick growth spurt. And that is to be a six foot three, 200-pound kid as a freshman at start at Massillon, which is a storied program here in Ohio. 
of course he was going to get an Ohio State offer, and of course he was going to commit as a freshman. But the idea of has he continued that growth as a athlete, because at a certain point everyone's going to be six foot four, two twenty when they're juniors and seniors. So if Danny Clark stays what he was and just was an early bloomer, then maybe he won't be quite as elite as we thought he was two years ago when he earned that early offer from Urban. So I think that the things that we know about Danny Clark is that he's got a very strong arm, he's very big, and he seems, at least from a conversational standpoint, when you get to know the kid, he is very sharp and very with it. So he has the things that you would think would be perfect for Ohio State at the quarterback position. I don't know if he can run quite as well. Um, you might have seen him even more than I have. I've, I've, I've hung out with him more. Yeah. I haven't seen him play as much. Um, but is, is he more Tebow? He's yeah, more, yeah. Is he more of a battering ram guy? He's more Tebow than he does like a JT Barrett. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Which, again, we've seen can work. You don't have to be doing juke spin moves in the open field to be a running Urban Meyer quarterback. It's okay if you just run people over, too. And that was Cardale. He's yeah. more Cardale than he is JT, I think. Yeah. Now, Cardale's way bigger than him. Cardale's 6'6". Six, six. But it's, it's yeah. 250 pounds and Danny Clark's like 200. Yeah. But it's about, I think it's about, do you have the ability to be comfortable in the offense and comfortable with what Urban Meyer wants a quarterback to do? Now, again, you, pure, yeah. you can throw it, but are you comfortable ma- making the decisions in the read option and That's being a, enough yeah, of a threat? Is that comfort level? The decision to me is the thing more so like, because Cardale, I mean, Cardale Jones is a really good athlete. Cardale Jones can run. It was more, in my mind... The quick decision making of knowing oh, I'm going to run now, and it seemed like Cardell Jones would hesitate sometimes, and that ultimate that and a million other things are part of the reason why it didn't quite work out with him this year. And it's interesting. Um, this is the kind of thing that I think. I mean, it's 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 discussion that goes on all over the country all the time. I mean, Alabama missed on Jameis Winston and has been winning. And contending for national championships with guys who are not future NFL stars. Texas A&M this week had two five-star guys transfer out of their program because they basically couldn't decide which one to play, I think, right? Didn't they sort of play both? Yeah. And they wound up losing both. Kenny Hill also left Texas A&M, so that's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's crazy to think about this. And so um, I would say that the Ohio State quarterback situation is what? Good, I think good. A, we give him an, like when you think about that. You have JT Barrett, who again last year was fifth in the Heisman, coming back for 2016 and 2017, and then as you said, all right, you have options. Whether it's Clark, whether it's Burrow, whether it's Gibson, whether Dwayne Haskins or someone like him comes here, um, there are options, and you don't have to go four for four at quarterback. You just have to have. I think ideally you want the guy and then a backup guy. I think the ideal thing is, is you have the guy and then the guy backing him up is the guy who's going to be the guy. You know, you have a junior or a senior yeah. and the backup is like a redshirt freshman or sophomore who you are planning on being the starter. He's just not the starter yet. Just like when JT Barrett was Braxton Miller's backup. It was like, okay, well, now JT Barrett's the starter. It's not like, oh, my gosh, we never were going to start JT Barrett. It's like, well, we just didn't think we were going to start him in 2014. Yeah. You know, and so if you can set that up that you envision, well, yeah, Joe Burrow's going to be a starter, but in the meantime, he's JT Barrett's backup. Or Danny Clark's going to be a starter. In the meantime, he's Torrance Gibson's backup. That's, I think, when you really have it on. That is also hard to do. I think people, 
it was easy to get carried away with Ohio State's quarterback situation when you looked at the six they had in the summer and think, well, it was almost weird when they were getting commitments because they're like, what are we going to do with all these guys? But what I will say, and to simplify this hour and 45-minute conversation, however long it's been, would be is Ohio State's going to be in a position post-JT Barrett to choose between Torrance Gibson, Joe Burrow, Danny Clark, and maybe Dwayne Haskins. And in a situation where you need to only hit on one of them, I think get those four guys and hope that one of those is the right pick is a very comfortable situation. All right, that's the bad podcast. We're going to come back um, with another one in the next couple days, looking more directly at the Fiesta Bowl between Ohio State and Notre Dame. Certainly we have a bunch of stories you'll be able to find at cleveland.com talking about that game, talking about and writing about 2016 and what's ahead, looking at and writing about um, the Fiesta Bowl between Ohio State and Notre Dame from 10 years ago, Looking at and writing about the Ohio State basketball team, which is getting very interesting, Bill. Yeah. Um, we're talking about you know what's going to happen with Torrance Gibson. Ohio State basketball just had this happen with Austin Grandstaff leaving 10 games into his career. Um, so we have a lot of stuff going on. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If every person listening to this podcast tells 50 friends <laughs> to listen, yeah. then we can get to 20,000 and be like MLive.com. Do that, though. Yeah. We only need you to press play. We don't need you to listen to the full hour. Yeah, if you got to go to the bathroom or you're going to lunch, hit play. And just press play. Just go get a burrito and then come back. And then press play again. Because <laughs> it's not... Like, our bosses don't even know that we have a podcast, I don't think. It's just personal it's pride. It's bruised egos, yeah. <laughs> Looking at like, oh man, did we get to 1,000 this week? No, we didn't even get to 500. It's been up for a hey, month. you know what, guys? Our stories do well. It's true. So let's just, uh, let's not, let's quit the pity party a little bit. We are writers first. Okay, he's Bill, he's Ari, I'm Doug. You can find us at cleveland.com slash OSU. But for now, thanks for listening to The Bad Podcast. <laughs>